The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Restoration Radio's presentation of Devotions with Bishop Dolan. I'm your host, Justin Soder, and what an honor it is to share the next hour with our guest, His Excellency Bishop, Bishop Daniel Dolan, pastor of St. Gertrude the Great Catholic Church in Westchester, Ohio. And Your Excellency, thank you so very much for joining us this morning. What an honor. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for hosting the show, Justin, and uh, for choosing what I think is a very interesting and um, Practical, if I may say so, a needed uh, look at a at a neglected devotion. Mm. Uh, just to remind our listeners, Devotions with Bishop Dolan is underwritten by True Restoration Press and True Restoration Media, well, with streaming videos and membership subscriptions available at truerestoration.org. And while a portion of the operating costs of this program are underwritten by True Restoration Press, we are truly dependent upon listener donations for the continued success of these broadcasts. Restoration radio programs, including this one, are available on the iTunes store and are syndicated on TuneIn and Stitcher. You can follow the work of True Restoration at truerestoration.blogspot.com, on our Facebook page, and our recently added daily news feed, which is linked on the blog homepage. Today on our program, as His Excellency said, he will be instructing us on one of the Church's most prominent and powerful devotions, uh, the Angelus, and the devotion to the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. While most Catholics today, I would say, are pretty pretty aware of the prayer of the Angelus. Very few know about its its origins, nor uh, how and why its practice came into being in the daily life of the Church. And as always, Your Excellency, I, to preface this discussion, I'm sure you want to open with a prayer. I do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Holy Mary, Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Justin, you know I'm the pastor of St. Gertrude the Great Church, and as you could expect, I do have a strong devotion to St. Gertrude and a great interest in her her visions, her, her writings. Our Blessed Lady once said to St. Gertrude the Great, who, whoever shall devoutly recall to my mind the joy I felt in uttering the words, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, I will most truly show him that I am his mother and will unfailingly assist him. So here is a, a prayer to, um, to remind Our Lady of this grace and to ask this grace for ourselves. O Mother of all blessedness, august sanctuary of the Holy Ghost, I praise and greet thee, and with most devout intention of mind, recall to thee that unspeakable joy which thou didst feel when with calmest trustfulness thou didst commend to the divine will thy whole unreserved being and all that was to be done in thee and to thee 
saying, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, beseeching thee that thou would show thyself my mother, and evermore succor me with the saving help of thy compassionate heart. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Yeah, her visions are very interesting, and they, they tie into our devotions, of course, and also the liturgical year, which I find to be uh, especially interesting. And they're full of wonderful graces and promises that are made to the faith for the, for the practice of this or that devotion. In fact, you know, this is the series called Devotions. And uh, we should never forget that, that there are so many blessings and so many promises associated with the devout uh, performance of these mm. uh, of these devotions. So, so today we're talking about um, the Angelus, and I was just telling you, Justin, just before we started the show today, about how I think it's um, it's a it's a prayer that most Catholics know, or at least know of. They are not quite sure how it's to be said. Someone was just mentioning to me about how in one of our chapels half the people kneel when it's said and half stand no one's ever quite sure we'll, we'll, we'll cover that this, this, i've noticed that myself too right and then um and then it's uh it, it's a prayer that's uh while appreciated is really not said that is to say it's not said three times a day at morning noon and night that's for sure and uh that's a shame and in that sense, I think that we American Catholics are put to shame by our our brethren in France. The French have successfully maintained the the custom of the daily Angelus three times a day, and uh, I'll tell you how in in a moment. But I oh a number of years ago in the English conservative magazine, The Spectator, I was reading an article about it must have been about the remnants, uh, the cultural remnants of Catholic France, because that's all France has reduced to today, certain cultural remnants. And um, there was a, a, a conversation reported about a, about a man who was talking to another man in a French village about whether or not the village church should continue to peel out the Angelus three times a day, considering that most French don't ever go to church anymore. And that many French have entirely lost their faith or are indeed actually uh, secularists and, and bitter, anti-Catholics even. So uh, the proposal was made, and one French brave, the French would say brave, a brave French uh, gentleman, stood up and said, Monsieur, vous sautez l'Angelus, vous sautez la France. Listen, mister, if you get rid of the Angelus, you get rid of France itself. Wow. And that's, that's a, it's a, it's a powerful statement, isn't it? And it, sure is. it, it ties in. It ties into this wonderful idea of Catholic culture, as 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 what's uh, uh, the, um, the 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 foundation that's holding up so much of what is left in this Western world of ours. Um, the French uh, in the 19th century, the French uh, artist um, Jean-François Millet tapped into that sense in his famous painting that you've probably seen and most people have. It's called uh, L'Angelus, the Angelus. And you see two uh, peasants standing in the field with the church in the background, and they have their farming implements around them on the ground, and they are a man and a woman, both of them paused in prayer. 
And they're saying they they paused in the middle of the day's work to say the Angelus. And this um, uh, that that little story that I told you about is very much the sense behind this this um, this beautiful painting that's very well known now throughout the world, and which and was extremely popular in France just for that sense of general Catholic culture and background, which for many people in France is important. It's not everything. I don't think it's enough to save your soul, but it's something, and it's something we need to uh, admire and hang on to, I think, in, in, in the measure possible. So he said that he, he did the painting remembering how when he was a boy, his grandmother would make everybody stop when the church bell rang and to pray the angelus for the um for the poor departed for the poor de- for the poor souls then. and and that was something something that he remembered and it's this idea of um of uh of um sort of a spiritual nostalgia spiritual connection the necessity of prayer and the beauty of these old catholic customs from uh long ago. And so the picture became, the painting became very popular, and it's in the Louvre today, uh, even though the same most of the people even by then, because now it's post-revolutionary France, were in the process of losing their Catholic faith. So in, in many in many places, um, the Angelus is rung, it's, as we'll see today too, it's connected with the idea of, of the ringing of bells. But in other places, it's sort of uh, dying out, but that's a shame. How can we, okay, first of all, before I even give in, like, a definition of the Angelus and talk about its component parts and its indulgences, how can we say the Angelus? I want to start right away by making a recommendation. Imitate the French in this. Um, that is to say, and this is part of the French genius, and this is a good example, I think, of how, you know how they say that the uh, the monks, built Christian Europe, and they, they forged a new Christendom out of the remnants of the Roman Empire, and, and they, by their example, by their prayer. You see, you see this coming home, I think, with the idea of the Angelus. The, one of the geniuses of the, of the rule of St. Benedict was to associate the regular life of monks with a regular, and prayer with also a regular schedule of meals which um, is something that we've lost in America because we grab food, uh, literally grab it, and we eat with the refrigerator open, which horrifies the French, the very concept. And um, <laughs> we don't... And then it might be a big thing to have a meal together once or twice a week, whereas for the French, it's going to be three times a day. It's not... It's a non-negotiable. It's just how it's done. Um, I remember telling one of, the, one of the French priests I know, my ordained, uh, that at our at our church of Saint Gertrude the Great, we make a, we make a, we priests make an effort to eat together three or four times a week, and he, he smiled somewhat ironically and said, "Oh boy, three or four times a week," whereas they do, you know, very strictly three times a day. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They say the Angelus uh, first thing when they arrive at the table. So they associate the Angelus with the meals. They say it as, as before. They say their grace before meals. That way, it's said. Something else interesting too, from the families that I visit in France, is that they say the Angelus together in Latin. This way, the children slowly and gradually learn from the parents and the older children their prayers in Latin. Saint Francis de Sales recommends that. 
that we should say our common prayers in Latin. Well, I grant you that you know for some for some families today to get the children to know their prayers in English is already a lot. <laughs> Nevertheless, especially you know in our in our Catholic in our good strong really devoted Catholic families. You know, we, we always need to, to, to set the bar a little bit higher. We should remember that, as St. Francis de Sales says, it's the language of the church, Latin. We should pray when we pray out loud together. We should pray in the language of the church. So children should learn both. And uh, this, is a, this is a good way that can happen. But the main thing is to pray the Angelus. So you're, you're there at the table. The first thing you do is you say the Angelus together. Now, you're at the table, so probably you're just... You're standing, some, in some cases for some families, I suppose, they're seated for that. I would say the main thing is just say the prayer. Don't worry about that. Traditionally, the Angelus is meant to be said kneeling, except on Sundays. And for the church, Sunday starts with the Vespers of Saturday night. So Saturday night, supper, or Sunday, you would say the Angelus standing. The rest of the time, you're meant to kneel. And all during the Easter season, from noon of Holy Saturday until um, the uh, until the noon of Ember Saturday of Pentecost week, you are meant to say the and instead of the Angelus, you say the Church's Resurrection Hymn, the Regina Caeli, that was first heard by Saint Gregory the Great in a penitential procession against the plague in Rome. And ever since then, as being sung by the angels, that's the tradition. Ever since then, has been the church's premier uh, Easter hymn, you might say, O Queen of Heaven, Rejoice, Hallelujah. So during that season of the year, you're meant to say the Regina Caeli instead. And then you stand, and you stand out of joy that our Lord is risen from the dead, because the idea of kneeling is uh, has partly the sense of penance when you kneel, as well as a sense of uh, profound uh, reverence. So that's what the French do. They just they say the Angelus uh, first thing before they say grace, and because they're big about eating together still, then uh, it, it gets said. Um, I recommend to families that they pray the rosary together, because getting the family rosary in is always very difficult, because everyone's got something to do uh, right after the meal. Don't leave the table. Don't even bother to do anything. Just have your rosaries right there by the in, the in the dining room or in your pocket, even better, and start the rosary as soon as you finish eating. Let that be your grace after meals. Pray the family rosary together. If you associate prayer with a meal, you'll get the prayers in. And who knows, maybe you'll start having more meals together uh, as a family, which could only be only be for the better. Let me ask you a question real quick about that. I think that's a great idea. Never, really never thought about that. Now, would it be appropriate, if you're praying after dinner at the table, would it be appropriate to sit together and pray, or would it be more proper to kneel and pray if you're at the dinner table together? Well, um, there's, there's an old saying that was certainly cited by St. John Bosco, uh, don't let the better be the enemy of the good. In the hmm. ideal order, when we say the Angelus or, or, or the Rosary, it would be better to kneel. However... For some people, that's a step too far for a lot of reasons, uh, either creaky bones or, or, or bad joints or uh, squirrely children, whatever it is. Um, or exhaustion. <laughs> Maybe exhaustion, too. And then if you add too much to it, you know, it's like building a house of cards. If you add too much to it, that you put that last card on, the whole thing collapses. 
the main thing is to pray. As long as the posture is reverent, the prayer is acceptable to Almighty God. So I'm going to say yes to kneel is, is the best, but um, depending on circumstances, don't insist on it. The main thing is that, that you get your, your prayer in. Hmm. Very good. So um, I guess at this point I should say, well, what is the Angelus? The Angelus Angelus is Latin for angel. And so the prayer takes its name from its first words. It's a series of, the church calls them versicles and responses. Uh, The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, that's the versicle, and the response to that, that said said by everyone else, and she conceived of the Holy Ghost. And then the Hail Mary is said. That's the first of the three prayers of the Angelus that are said that are said traditionally um, and then uh, then there are two other versicles after that that are said and then the collect for uh, it's a collect for one of the seasonal antiphons of the Blessed Virgin Mary from the Divine Office we know it in, in the English as pour forth we beseech thee O Lord thy grace into our hearts so that's uh, that, that collet concludes it after a final versicle in response. Now, after each versicle in its response, you are meant to say one Hail Mary, so that in the recitation of the prayer, you are saying the Hail Mary three times. Um, it is interesting to note that in order to gain the indulgences, and there are uh, rich indulgences which are um, available. I looked it up in you know, the church's official book of prayers and of indulgences is called the um, Rakolta. And uh, there's an indulgence of um, 500 days for whenever, mm-hmm. the, um, for whenever the Angelus is recited. Now, in order to gain that indulgence, it is not necessary even to um, say the, 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 uh, the collect at the end if you don't know it. And if you don't know your Angelus, but you but you want to gain the indulgence and you want to honor the incarnation, then you may certainly say instead five Hail Marys altogether. So that's something for people to keep in mind. Start saying today your five Hail Marys and then get a little holy card or something, carry it about with you in your pocket, uh, whip it out wherever you are uh, before when you can have a meal, the three times a day, and... There you are. You're on your way to saying the indulgence. Uh, it used to be necessary to uh, to stand or kneel according to the rubrics, but that is uh, that's no longer um, that's no longer required. So it's a f- and then the five Hail Mary business. That that's interesting. That was the custom, pretty much in England, before the um, the Reformation for the Protestant revolt. Uh, they, they they would say five Hail Marys and then one Pater or one Our. Father, and that's a little mm-hmm. bit maybe getting in more towards um, towards the idea of the uh, the history of the prayer. So well, you're uh, the, you know, we go off the air at twelve, so after the show's over, our listeners will have a chance to put this into practice. Indeed, they do perfectly. In fact, maybe <laughs> maybe we could try to coordinate this and actually pray the Angelus together at, at the very end. Wouldn't that be excellent? That would so be very be good. Time. Yeah, it, because. Uh, uh, one of the things that gets in the way of our praying is, this, and that's why I started with this talk about the cultural connection, the Catholic culture, Christendom, uh, France being a good example. One thing that gets in the way is 
the opposite of that ordered, balanced life where you have a schedule and you have family life and you have meals at set times and you eat a formal meal and you, you sit down together is, is the, uh, the runaround life that is typical for Americans to lead today. Well, very so that, much so. that, Right? And that, so that makes it a real, that, that's a real challenge then, quote-unquote, to get our prayers in. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's not so easy by any means. But we have to, um, we have to do our very best. And uh, I think this could be a blessing that uh, is an indirect but a very powerful one. When you say, I think when you say something complimentary to an Australian, he will. Australians are very colorful people. The Australian will say back. He'll say he'll say to you, "Back at you, mate." And so this is a prayer that comes. You know just how bad things come back to you. Good things come back to you, and more so. Prayer civilized the prayer of the monks, civilized the um, barbarians of Europe, the, uh, the mm-hmm. Germanic tribes. Prayer could even civilize us Americans today, I think. And once, because once you're into the habit of that regularity, maybe even a natural kind of a regularity of flow could be could be seen in in, in the life of an individual Catholic as well as um, in in our families. And what a blessing! What a blessing uh, that that would be for us. So uh, uh, one of the questions that would come up, though, however, granted the reality of American life today, okay, what about um, if you you know you're not up at six or you're brushing your teeth or or you're you're doing something else? It's, you're in the shower at six a.m. Do you have to say the prayer exactly at six? Uh, do you have to say it exactly at noon when the, you might hear bells ring sometimes? And what a blessing that is if there are any bells and, and they're ringing to remind people it's noon, the hour of the Angelus. And then in the evening, that's even more difficult because most people wouldn't be in a position to hear bells at, at 6 p.m. Um, as long as it's someplace near, it's when you get up in the morning, I mean, when you're having breakfast, uh, any time in the morning, you're still, it's your morning, you're starting your day. Say the Angelus. It's funny, isn't it? When you consider how short a prayer it is, and yet because we're in a rush, and we're usually running late, and it seems like an immense burden to have to say the Angelus. But that's that idea of... Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I think this also kind of harkens back to establishing some order. Yes, it might be difficult in the beginning, but when you begin to make that the priority then that becomes part of that morning routine. So I think, yes, it might be a little bit difficult in the beginning where maybe you step into the shower a few minutes late in the morning or maybe you get to the mm-hmm. breakfast table you know, a few minutes late in the morning, but pretty soon that's going to become just as routine as getting into the shower. Yes, and that's, and, and that's, that's the point is we take care of the body and Americans spend a lot of time and a lot of money on the body anymore today. Mm-hmm. We should even more so take care of the soul. Remember our little children's story about... Well, how do you remember to say your morning prayers? So the, the 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 little boy is told by the nun, put your your shoes. You have to get when you get dressed. You're going to put your shoes on, right, right, sister. Put your shoes under your bed so that the only way you can get your shoes the next morning is to kneel down. And once you're kneeling down, well, there you are. You're kneeling down. So go ahead <laughs> and say your morning prayers. So that's that's perhaps one way to remember it. Although, as I say, if you and they say you should eat a breakfast except maybe if it's a fasting day, but it's good to start your day with some sort of a breakfast. Well, make that just before you say your grace. Just say the Angelus. It's a big help, too, 
if you do live with others, to pray with others. All the saints recommend that, and certainly human psychology would too. That's, that's a good way to get uh, to get prayers said. I think husbands and wives should tell each other now. If I don't say, if I don't remember, you remind me, and then I promise, vice versa, I'll remind you. Uh, pray together. There, there's strength in numbers. It's the, it's the forces of sloth and of naturalism. Are they have to be combated by all of us? And um, so, if you well, associate can, it that way, it might work. I can certainly say that if I'm praying the Rosary in community, you know, or or in common, how fast right. it seems to go. It's very interesting. Right. It, it, it's it's uh, it seems to be easier. It seems to flow a little better, and it seems to um, uh, just overall be more pleasant. It's interesting. Yes, yes, that that is certainly true. That I think that that's the experience of of many many people. So the more the more things we can put into our life that are routine, that are done in public and done with others, and it's understood. Now is the time to say this prayer. Well, then the more we will be praying, and the less we leave it up to uh, happenstance or if I've got nothing better to do and I'm so inspired. Maybe I'll do it. We're meant to live, actually, in a community. We're meant to live with others, and we're meant to to assist and to um, and to inspire each other. Now, you spoke, Justin, about about the rosary, and I, one of the points that I wanted to make in talking about the Angelus today is to explain how, from a historical point of view, the Angelus is um, uh, a lay prayer, really. It's not necessarily or primarily a clerical prayer. And the the question would be, what does the Angelus have in common with the rosary? The answer might be a little bit surprising, but not if you know the history of the rosary. That is to say, they both have as their backbone what? And their essential part what? It's the Hail Mary, right? You've got to oh, say yes. the yes. Hail Mary, right? It's the angelic salutation, uh, which was first used, they say, the, uh, as a, an antiphon in the little office of Our Lady. The little office of Our Lady is a shortened form of the Church's divine office. That's that's um, it doesn't change so often, and it's shorter. But essentially, it's antiphons and some of the Psalms of David from the Scriptures, and then certain hymns and prayers that are colics that are recited at, at the at the seven hours of the divine office and as a way of honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary, but in a more of a liturgical spirit. Um, and, there's, and there's a real connection between, I think, the little office of Our Lady and uh, devotional but liturgical style devotional prayers that were once said or chanted by monks and maybe by the clergy uh, and the origin of the, of the Angelus. Um, it seems that the Angelus first started in the evening and uh there's there's a lot of history pointing to in the middle ages a bell being rung in the evening saint bonaventure urged the franciscans to ring the bell and to explain to the people why the bell was being rung he had finished the church's evening prayer compline and now ask the ask everybody in the town who hears the bell to say three Hail Marys to associate for them to associate themselves with the prayer. And what's the prayer at the end of the divine office? Why then it's the it's the prayer of the commemoration of the Blessed Virgin Mary after Compline at the end of the day to ask the the faithful. They don't know the Latin prayers, um, and they are wherever they are, but let them stop and say the three Hail Marys when they hear the bell. So there's um, there's several examples of that 
growing up in the Middle Ages. But I think that probably the, um, as, as near as I can figure it out, really one of the origins of the Angelus and the Angelus bell is what was known as the Tres Oraciones, or the Three Prayers, which were a series, actually, of psalms and collects or prayers that were recited by the monks in Latin in church. It was called, it's called being in choir, and they're choir stalls. Um, these were devotional prayers, I think, that were added after the divine office was over by the Anglo-Saxons in, in England and also by the French. So it was a medieval uh, devotional practice of the church uh, to add certain other prayers to the office. Um, and the one example of that would be the, the, the prayer of the office of the dead, the prayer of the office of the Virgin Mary. So the idea of the ringing of the bell was to let the laity be associated with the monks or the clergy and the prayer that they're saying in church to get the benefit of it, to pray in the spirit of it. And that, what's that? That's exactly the origin of the rosary, isn't it? That the, mm. the origin of the rosary is the um, recitation of certain amount of paters or especially of Ave Maria's, Hail Mary's, so that uh, 150 of the full rosary uh, represent the 150 Psalms of David in the Old Testament that are the backbone of the church's formal or public prayer. Uh, the lay brothers who didn't know Latin, couldn't read or write, would stop and they would, when the bells rang, they would say their prayers. And the laity who lived near the monastery, they were invited to do the same thing. And Our Lady took this custom and with her own loving hands, she fashioned that into the Dominican Rosary that we know and revere uh, today as, as a very, very powerful prayer. So, so that's the connection then between the Angelus and the Rosary. They're both based on the Hail Mary, and they're both based on the idea of the laity participating in the prayer of the church, the prayer of the monks in choir, chanted in Latin, but they are wherever they are saying it. Um, so that's the, that, 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 especially for the, the, the evening prayer, they say that the Angelus was rung first in the evening, and that the evening is the traditional, this is the traditional belief, is the traditional time for the incarnation or the annunciation. The angel Gabriel came to Our Lady at night around Compline, towards the beginning of the night. That's the tradition that we have. So the first uh, Angelus is the, the evening one, and that especially does honor the incarnation of our Lord. Then, uh, then there are two others to consider. There's the, there's the, uh, the morning one. The morning one is honor. Of course, all three honor the incarnation, but especially uh, the morning one honors the resurrection of our Lord from the dead because our Lord ro rose in the morning. Um, and then the one at noon, they say that that came latest of all, and the Angelus at noon is said especially to honor our Lord's crucifixion, his passion, and his death. So that's a nice devotional thought for people. It reminds us of our Lord's life. It's well, if the if the Rosary is a mini divine office, uh, the whole prayer of the Church in your pocket, you might say that the Angelus, in turn, is a mini Rosary. So uh, the prayer keeps on getting abbreviated, which is a good thing because you know we human beings, right? It's difficult for us to set aside all of that time for prayer, but we have to remember the great truths of our, of our Christian faith, the resurrection, the, uh, the crucifixion, the incarnation, God became man. And how do we remember the, the great truths of our faith? 
Why? By prayer. By constant mm. prayer. Every day at, at, at these uh, set and specific times. Mm. There's... Um, a, I was going to break another, in, Your Excellency, and just remind oh, listeners here, real quick, uh, that uh, oh, if you're just joining us, you are listening to Devotions with Bishop Dolan. It's about the bottom of the hour, and we have roughly a half hour left here in the show. We're discussing the Angelus, and uh, uh, maybe something here, Your Excellency. Might, this might be a better time than ever to to get this question in. And I know it's one that most working Catholics today could certainly take advantage of your advice on. Um, <clears throat> I don't think that there's as much difficulty. Well, perhaps I'm taking some liberty here, but I don't think there's as much difficulty in the morning and in the evening to say the Angelus. Maybe people are just getting home from work at five thirty, six o'clock, six thirty, whichever, and as you said, they can go ahead and incorporate the prayer then. Um, but the midday prayer, I think, for for a lot of people who are uh, either traveling or in meetings or lunch meetings, this, that, and the other, uh, is probably the most difficult to get in and uh, because they're obviously in a modern workplace. And that's something that uh, right. I, I think we could take some, take some advice on is how does, how does a Catholic in today's world working in an office setting or even, even in, a, uh, in a field setting or whatnot, how do they work in the Angelus uh, around their, their, their very hectic work schedule? How do, and, and how would you incorporate that, per se, in, say, in a, an office setting of some kind? Would you well, pray at your desk? Would you go to a private place that's quiet by yourself? Uh, how, how would you do that? Well, again, the main thing is get the prayer done. The first example might be, blessed are those who work downtown. Because downtown, the generic American downtown, you may very well have bells that are rung for noon. They don't know why they're ringing the bells for noon, but we do. It's the Angelus. It's some form. It's some remnant of the Angelus. Uh, So if you hear the bells ringing, that could be your cue to stop and to pray. When you're with others, especially with others who are not uh, Catholic, that could be difficult, obviously, and we'll have to go to plan B. But um, (laughs) if you're with Catholics, invite them to stop and and to pray the Angelus. Certainly amongst ourselves, the brethren of the household of the faith, shall we say, this is a point to be made, Justin. We shouldn't be shy about that. People feel funny about prayer, and I don't want to wear my religion on my sleeve. I don't want to be holier than thou. And so the idea of, well, let's pray, or let's pray together, is always vaguely embarrassing to people. Don't be like that. You're doing the other person a favor, and the idea should be that for us, the supernatural becomes natural. It's a natural part of the day. So just as you have to... You have to eat and drink and work and sleep and go to the bathroom and do the dishes and and check your email. You have to do all those things in the course of a day. So, too, and most of all, first of all, must you pray. So if you've got some Catholics with you in your Catholic environment, that's take advantage of that, pray. If you hear the bells ringing and you're free, that's your reminder. Well, that's an angel, that, that your guardian angel has reminded you to do that. Well, what else could you do? Pray over your sandwich. If you're... Um, it's, I grant you that might cause a little stare from people because I'm like, like, boy, he says a long grace. But, you know, sometimes the <laughs> Protestants with their, with their extemporaneous grace, they can go on a little bit, too. Uh, and who, besides, who cares? <laughs> Why should we worry about what other people think? You're, you're, you're saying your own prayer. Say, if somebody interrupts you, you know, answer them. But then when you can, go back to your prayer. Um, so, I, I, if you're, of course, if you're out to eat with other people, you're at a business lunch, that's going to be difficult Two, uh, you might, you know, you might set your, you might set your um, cell phone to go off like a little alarm at noon, 
or if you have a regular schedule for your work, uh, maybe at some point around midday when you could pray, then that's when you should pray. Absolutely. That was going to be my advice. Was uh, I'm sure many, many, many of our listeners out there have smartphones and they can they can set their calendars uh, to sure. uh, have a recurring event every day at six noon and six. And mm-hmm. uh, and of course, if they, if they don't acknowledge that, the little snooze button will kick on in ten minutes and say you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Sure, yeah, absolutely. That's a good example of letting uh, technology work for you instead of working against uh, you know, the good of your immortal soul. So why, why not do that? Oh, sure. There are, and besides, oh, you know, we always we go to the National Security Agency and know we're praying the Angelus, right? They, they know, and, and, then, and then, you know, maybe some deeply embedded government spy in uh, Washington, D.C. will be edified by this maybe one so. day. And uh, <laughs> it, it, certainly, it certainly can't hurt. So uh, use, let the technology work for you. Give the matter some thought. Uh, base it on your schedule as much as possible, possibly associate it with meals. But um, figure out a way that works. Give it some thought. So that's probably the main point. Use your imagination and be generous in, in the matter of prayer. It's, uh, something will have to be done, and it won't be easy to get the Angelus into every, the life of every Catholic. But uh, these, are, these are efforts that, that, that certainly, that certainly would, would make sense. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely worth it for us to do that. Um, I wanted to mention, too, about, the, about noon and the bell at noon, that um, there's a custom of, of ringing bells um, at noon or, or maybe at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, St. Anthony Mary Zaccaria, who, whom we honored uh, uh, last month in, in July it was his feast day. He uh, he was a founder of a religious congregation in Italy after the Protestant Revolt, uh, the Barnabite Fathers. Well, he he started in a lot of places the custom of a Friday afternoon bell in honor of the Passion of Our Lord. And other saints did the same thing because the idea is the bell the bell calls attention. It uh, it, it reminds people. So that's why we have bells. And in fact, bells are a call to prayer. And a reminder, now's the time to get into church or uh, pay attention, our Lord is coming down on the altar. Or now the first principal part of the Mass is beginning the Mass of the Catechumens is over, and now the Mass of the Faithful is starting. The uh, Father removes the veil from the chalice. So it's a way of drawing one's one's attention, especially to something holy or sacred. So um, there were bells for other purposes, but and and there are some remnant bells, as I say, in our culture still today. We have a church in um, in Milwaukee, St. Hugh of Lincoln, that uh, at one time was in a solidly Polish Catholic neighborhood. Over the years that we've had the church, over 25 years now, we've we've seen it change, and now it's it's gone from Spanish speaking to maybe some Oriental immigrants too, and now it's mostly it's mostly black. But um, at, at one time, because it was a Polish Catholic neighborhood, you heard the bells chiming the Angelus three times a day, and how beautiful and how edifying that was. It's sort of an atmosphere, a Catholic atmosphere. So uh, it still takes place today. We should appreciate it and, and respond to that uh, to that call to prayer. If we don't, we're in trouble. Um, I think of the Polish Catholic enclave. It was a, technically a little suburb, surrounded by Detroit years ago, and it was called Hamtramck. 
and um, I'm, I'm from Detroit myself, so I happen to know the story. At one time, it was full of magnificent Catholic churches built at great sacrifice by Polish immigrants. Now, uh, it is almost entirely uh, Arabic and Mohammedan, and there are hardly any Catholics left. There are some Catholics left there. But instead of the Angelus bell, what you're going to hear on the street now is the call to prayer five times a day from uh, broadcast from the local mosque. Uh, the, the Mohammedans have a wonderful way of stamping their version of their culture uh, on a community. And as they slowly take over, that's what they're going to do. What happened to a Polish Catholic town in Detroit is, is, is happening to many cities and towns in formerly Catholic France. Um, and maybe may coming soon to a community near you, if if you don't cling to what you have left, and if you don't love your faith, and then make it grow and expand, and know why why we do what we do. That's why these these shows are in their own little way important. I think then you run the risk, of course, of of, of losing it. And the, the irony is this: that one of the origins, especially of the noon Angelus bell is the request of Pope Callistus II in uh, 1456. The, the Turks, the Mohammedans, were invading uh, Catholic Europe one more time. This is when they, they had besieged uh, Belgrade, which is today the capital of Serbia. They had besieged Belgrade for a long time, and uh, the siege was eventually lifted under the command of St. John Capistrano, this glorious Capuchin. He was skin and bones as a man of total prayer and penance. And in the name of the holy names of Jesus and Mary, he, with a much smaller force, led the counterattack, and he was able to lift the siege and make make the uh, make the the Muslims flee. So the Pope asked that the bell be rung for prayers against the Turks. So that's uh, so let's that could be an intention for saying the Angelus to mm. to save us from the Mohammedan invasion of our own nation and of our own culture and to realize that, hey, they're not shy about broadcasting their prayers. That's they right. Will, and they'll, that's right. And they'll stick it down your throat as soon as they get a chance, <laughs> and then eventually, of course, they'll slit your throat. But first of all, they'll stick it down your throat. So we, we, should, we shouldn't be shy about these things either. You don't have to be weird about it or excessive. You can be pleasant. You can explain why. People will respect you. And we should raise our children that way with the idea of not being ashamed of our customs and of our prayers, but keep that in mind that that's actually that's actually part of the history of it. Yeah, you know, working in prayers before meals, especially around coworkers, I know people always fall to the fear of human respect at time to time. I mean, I I went through that for a while until I finally just said I'm not going to care what they think anymore. And, right. uh, and it's interesting. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, usually, whenever I'm at the table with coworkers, or whether I'm at at uh, actually at the office or. If, if I'm out at lunch, uh, they will be quiet while I pray. They'll stop talking. It's very interesting. And, and these, some it of these are atheists, too. Some of these sure. are atheists, sure. and they, they will be they'll, quiet they'll and they'll be respectful. You. Yes, they will. They, they yes, will. they will. They will. But the, the whole thing is do not be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. It's like wearing the scapular, bowing your head at the holy name, uh, uh, objecting to dirty jokes or stories. Don't be embarrassed about your faith, uh, because if you do, you commit a sin, and you'll miss an opportunity for which one day you must answer before the eternal judge. It's just it's not worth it. Uh, all is good and all is grace and God's good plan, and we should we should take advantage of these customs. Oh, speaking mm. about um, 
the public Angeles, there are a few countries in the world, uh, Ireland certainly is, is the one that, that comes to mind, where the Angelus has been since, I think, 1950, played on uh, the television and on the radio, at least one, one, of, the, one of the stations broadcast the Angelus. Lately, uh, since the changes and also since all the scandals with the, with the perverse clergy in Ireland, there's just been a huge diminution of uh, church attendance and of belief amongst the Irish. The church in Ireland is pretty much finished today. So, of course, somebody took a pot shot at the idea of broadcasting the Angelus. In the old days, uh, I remember uh, seeing it on TV in Ireland, the, uh, they would ring the bell. Uh, the, traditionally, the bell is rung uh, th- thrice, three times, then th- three times in a row, and then the bell is, is rung again another nine times for the collect at the end. Um, and then they would show a picture, a painting, or more than one, of the Annunciation scene. So um, there was a big discussion about it, and, you know, secularism and, you know, separation of church and state. And as a matter of fact, you know, Ireland now has a lot of immigrants. They're mostly Polish Catholic immigrants, but they do have a certain, a certain um, African Mohammedan community, too, unfortunately. Um, so then they decided they would compromise. They would keep the bell. They would call it, call it now just a pause for prayer or a pause for refreshment and reflection. And um, instead of showing some classic painting of the Annunciation, they would, they would show worldly scenes. So you see an immigrant looking out a window at Phoenix Park in Dublin, or you see fishermen, or you, you see some other pedestrian scene from from daily life but at least the bell is still ringing at least that's uh, that's something there so that it, it managed somehow to survive which is uh which is a good thing uh, if we if we if we give up the angelus and give up the remnants of catholic life where they are then all we do is we hasten the way for the coming of the anti-catholic crusade which is that of mohammedanism and then of course secularism too so I think mm-hmm. these things, uh, you're doing people a favor when you talk about uh, these things and you actually uh, and actually practice this devotion. Um, there's another indulgence devotion that I thought I would mention. Just, it's, it was in Italy. The times were a very devout people at one time. In Italy, it was customary to add, in, in some places, uh, three glory bees in honor of the Blessed Trinity to uh, thank Almighty God for all of the privileges granted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And this, too, has an indulgence of 500 days each time that's done. So that's a, But uh, I, I say that with some reservation because it's already a lot to get people just to pray, just to, to know by heart, and then to pray the Angelus, maybe uh, one way or, or another. I would, um, I would alert listeners, too, that if... You know, perhaps there's some listening who don't know where to find the Angelus, or uh, certainly in uh, every hand missile, uh, the Angelus is printed. Um, I mm-hmm. know from mine it is printed there, as well as, uh, you know, it's in almost every devotional book. Uh, the, the Blessed Be God certainly has it. Uh, many, many other devotionals have it. And, of course, if you don't have either of those two at your disposal, you do have the Internet, which you can <clears throat> you can go to any website and print it out. You can I'm sure the last website on the internet has it available for for download and printing, and uh, you can uh, you can use that to 
pray along. Since we want to get the Angelus in here, the noon Angelus, I'm going to go ahead, Your Excellency, and do some closing housekeeping here. Um, sure, sure. And I want to thank you for your time with us this morning, and I think it's important for our listeners to realize that our clergy are extremely, extremely busy, and yet they carve out from their time, from their already brimming schedules, uh, some time to come on here and share with us their knowledge. And I want to thank all of our live listeners and His Excellency um, uh, to know that we, we don't we don't take this for granted here on Restoration Radio. And uh, thank you to our live listeners who took valuable time on their Saturdays to listen to our show, and uh, also a thank you to those who will download the show after airing. I hope that in some way, and I'm sure His Excellency does as well, that this uh, enriches your um, your love for the devotion and certainly your practice of it. Uh, I would alert listeners that if they would like to learn more about the ministry of Bishop Dolan, they can visit sgg.org, which is the homepage for St. Gertrude the Great, where His Excellency resides and is pastor, also the home of another Restoration Radio guest, Father Anthony Chicada. He uh, makes his home there. Uh, you can find many timely sermons, informative writings, videos from Father Chicada uh, to help guide you in this, the sea of modernism, which we find ourselves immersed. It's really a... It's really an oasis in the modernist desert, I have to say. I've I've gained a lot of knowledge off of that website. You can also follow Sunday Mass streamed live on sgg.org uh, so that uh, many of who may live at a distance from the true Mass can nourish their souls spiritually. I won't fail to mention either that visitors can <laughs> visit the sgg.org website, and they have the ability to make a much-needed donation to the work of Bishop Dolan and the resident priest at St. Gertrude's by clicking on the PayPal Donate buttons. Please keep in mind, friends, um, that the resources that are provided to you for free um, they do cost time and money, and out of charity, it is proper to support their work. And while large donations, I'm sure His Excellency will not turn down, small ones work just as well. So uh, don't let that stop you from donating or helping. And I would also, while we're on the <laughs> on the donation plea here, and I would ask that if you find this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you, that you would please consider making whatever donation is possible to our apostolate of True Restoration. You can do so either by going to the truerestoration.org homepage and find the PayPal buttons to donate, or you can become a membership sub- subscriber and see many video interviews and conferences from His Excellency and others and gain access to stream those or download them. Uh, and to those of you who have subscribed, we extend a sincere and heartfelt thanks for your for your kindness and generosity if you've donated as well. And if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Uh, feel free to leave us a message on our Twitter handle, at True Restoration, or you can contact us directly at mail at truerestoration.org. Uh, we'll be on air again next month with Bishop Bowen for another devotion. Uh, and uh, Your Excellency, I think the Angelus will probably take about five minutes or so to do, so if you have any closing thoughts, we have about nine minutes left in our broadcast here, so if you have any closing thoughts and want to move into the Angelus, we can do that together. Good. Well, first closing thought, Justin, is uh, how true it is, uh, both for St. Gertrude the Great and our apostolate here for uh, Restoration Radio and its wonderful apostolate. And by the way, the clergy are very happy to and, and honored to be invited to participate in yours because that's a way of multiplying the good that we're able to do to reach to, to reach yet new souls, as people that may never come come to mass at our church, but who have some association with our work and whom we might be able to help. That's all a priest or a bishop ever would ask for: would be able to get God more glory and to help souls in the way of salvation and of uh, sanctification. And isn't it interesting? All of this work is really done on a little tiny. Uh, shoestring budget. There's just a few people who are very dedicated to all working very hard. And uh, it's the bad guys that have all the money. They have all the time. <laughs> they have all the means of this world. And we have hardly anything, but uh, at the same time, we do have the faith. We, we are the undiluted and unadulterated Catholic faith 
that's uh, that, that's what keeps us going. But the the assistance of your prayers and the assistance of your uh, your donations for these two apostles certainly is um, is very very appreciated. Prayer mm-hmm. that's the important thing. If people will pray and pray regularly, then they will be less tempted to compromise the faith. Then they'll develop more of a hunger to know more about the faith, and a charity too to want to spread the faith or to share it uh, with others. An interesting little his- historical, before I go to the final story in the Angelus, a little historical thing is um, debated sometimes by the historians of the Angelus. The the English word curfew comes from the old French term couvre-feu, or fire cover, or cover the fire. Uh, they, they, there's some speculation that one of the origins of the of the of the uh, Angelus bell in the evening was the sign of the curfew. That is to say that, well, it's like they have in the seminary, lights out at a certain time. Uh, all the seminarians have to have their lights out. And it was literally so. In the Middle Ages, you had to cover over the fires, and everybody had to stay put, and the city was basically closed down except for the watchmen. And that was symbolized by the ringing of a bell. Some say that the prayers came first, and then the curfew rules, and some and other ones not necessarily so. Remember, in a pinch, uh, don't do it for too long, but if you can't do anything else, say five Hail Marys. And say it whenever you remember it, even if you remember your Angelus at 2.15, or um, if you're if you're working the night shift, by all means pray at midnight. Another really good time to pray is three o'clock in the morning because they say that's the witching hour, that's when the devil is about, and that's when he's most powerful. Uh, it's the the prayer of the angels is a magnificent prayer, it, because it's the prayer of the incarnation itself. So it's always good to be it's always good to, good to be to be used devoutly. And, be 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 an original. There's there's you can't if you're praying well and devoutly you can't pray the wrong way. Uh, God sees the sincerity of our own heart. There's a story with which I want to conclude, Justin, about um, oh it took place maybe in early 19th century uh, Spain during one of their interminable uh, civil wars, and has to do with the um, the Carlist movement. The, the Don Carlos was a famous pretender to the French throne, and. Uh, uh, they, the Carlist, lost a battle, and his followers were taken prisoner, and they were to be put to death. And then amongst them was a certain Don Zavala, who was very, very faithful to this pretender to the, to the Spanish throne. He was sentenced to be executed, and he asked only one question, now, when will I be put to death? And he was told, you'll be put to death half an hour before the Angelus, before the evening Angelus. So he had the day to prepare himself, and he made his general confession with the priest, uh, received the sacraments and, and was ready to go. He was marched out in the evening. There was a big and a rather sympathetic crowd that had gathered to see this famous insurrectionist, this famous uh, Carlist, as they were called, to see him die. And the soldiers were lined up in single file, just awaiting the order to fire. Um, but since they were Latins, Latins have a sort of a, a little bit more of a fluid idea about time than the Anglo-Saxons do, that's for sure. So actually they were running a little bit late, which doesn't surprise me. So it, now instead of being half an hour before the Angelus, it's just about Angelus time. So the, the, uh, the officer cries out to the, uh, to the assembled soldiers, present arms as the first movement towards the execution of their prisoner. The soldiers raise their guns. There's a moment of silence, 
everyone's waiting for the coup de grace, you know, for the end of this of this famous rebel. And all of a sudden, the Angelus bells start ringing out from all of the churches. Well, it's Spain, and they're all Catholic. Everybody kneels down, including the soldiers, and they kneel down instinctively. They take their 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 hats off. And the condemned man, he knelt down as well, and he said a very, very devout, what he thought would be his, the last Angelus of his life. And everybody in the crowd is probably praying for the poor man who, as soon as this prayer is over, is going to be uh, executed, put to death. But God had ordained otherwise. As the last bell of the collect uh, uh, kind of fades away, an emissary rides up as fast as he can on his horse, waving a white flag. The, the, the news was that peace had been reached, the war, the, the insurrection was now over, and uh, the Spanish didn't have to execute each other anymore, oh, the folly of war. So the man is saved, and he was saved, how? By the Angelus. And he attributed for the rest of his life this mercy that was bestowed on him through Our Lady, through a devotion to Our Lady, because she's the channel through whom life and mercy was given to us. She's the channel through whom we're spared the execution. The Angelus is a, is a wonderful prayer because it's time-conditioned. It reminds us of the mysteries of the faith. It's... Um, uh, it sanctifies the different parts of the day. The morning, the freshness of the morning has one spirit. Noon, when we're all busy and working and doing this and that, that's when we need that pause that refreshes. And that's when our Lord went up, went up to the cross and died for us. And then in the evening, when our Lord was buried, when there's a quiet time, it's family time, coming home time, we need that refreshment of prayer, too. Uh, the Angelus is the is a compendium of the greatest mysteries of our faith, and it never fails to awaken in our hearts, if it's said devoutly, a sense of wonder and a sense of gratitude for this infinite act of divine love, which was begun and announced by the angel to Mary, and then realized when Our Lady in humility said yes to God, when she said, Ecce Angela, look, I'm just the little handmaid or the servant of the Lord. So I, I do indeed recommend the Angelus. Okay. Well, Your Excellency, we have about two minutes and 25 seconds left here on the broadcast, so we're going to go ahead and move into the Angelus. And uh, if we go over, for those who are listening live, we're going to probably lose you, but uh, you'll be able to hear this prayer uh, as soon as the show's over, about five minutes, you can stream it, and the whole show will be captured. Very good. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Ghost. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done Amen. unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be, made, we worthy may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, 
that as we have known the incarnation of Christ thy Son by the message of an angel, so by his passion and cross we may be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, and we hope you have enjoyed this show here. This uh, Well, it's now this afternoon, and we thank His Excellency for his time, and we will see you next month on the Devotions with Bishop Dolan. Your Excellency, thank you. You're, you're welcome again. God bless you all. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.